So I'm driving to Antioch to come to church this morning. And I'm at the roundabout at Reed Market. Not very far away. And I get a phone call. I don't always answer my phone when I'm driving because it's kind of illegal. <laughs> but that doesn't always seem to bother me. I didn't know who it was. I, I just said this number there. And uh, it's Ken. Hi, Ken. I'm late as it is, you know, coming to church. I'm driving. It's getting close to church time. Like a lot of you guys, we're getting there late. And uh, he says, hey, I don't feel very good. Uh, can you speak? <laughs> Ken, I'm running late. He says, yeah, I don't feel very good. I go, okay. Uh, you bet. So I'm on the roundabout. I'm driving, and my wife and I were going to get some coffee or tea before church. So I'm on the roundabout, and I just keep going around. While I'm talking to Ken, and Patty goes, don't you think we got to go like over here? And I just keep going around because I'm trying to think, what am I going to do? I'm stalling, and I'm driving around the roundabout, going, what am I going to talk about? And uh, he says, well, uh, while we're talking, you know, he goes, well, I got some notes for you. Yeah, that's not going to work. So uh, I thought, well, uh, I'm going to talk this morning on pressure because that's what I feel like right now. <laughs> pressure uh, to talk and pressure to come up with something in about five minutes. So that's what we're going to talk about this morning. And I want to tie that in because I happen to be a father. Uh, one of my daughters is uh, going to be a senior at Moody. And we have a number of Moody students that come here to help. And I have another daughter who is a senior at Bend High School. Um, I happen to be the principal at Bend High School, uh, so um, uh, that's kind of a little bit about me because most of you have no idea who I am, and so uh, there we go. So uh, let's just pray, and then uh, we'll open it up from there. Father God, uh, these are the times that we depend on you, and I pray this morning that as we begin to take a look at pressure, there's no one in this building today that isn't under some kind of pressure. This morning, Lord, there is people in business pressure, pressures at the home, pressures in school. Each and every one of us feels pressure this morning. So I pray, Father, today that you could speak to us on how we can handle that pressure and not just handle it, but flourish under it. In Jesus' name, amen. So all of us know pressure. Pressure is as American as baseball and fast foods. There's no one here today that isn't under some kind of pressure. It can be family pressure. It can be pressure at work. It can be pressure in the home. It can be pressure in the schools. It can be relational pressure. There's pressure. As a principal, uh, I feel some pressure. Uh, I was also a teacher and a coach for 20 years. And as a coach and a teacher, I too felt pressure. But amazing enough, maybe one of the most pressure situations I ever felt was I had the opportunity in the summer to teach driver's education. <laughs> now, that's pressure. I have been on exits that was supposed to be on-ramps. 
I have been going, I mean, every, I was driving one gal, and we're just about ready to go over a bridge, and she decides to tell me that she has this thing called bridgeophobia. And so she panics, and I'm having to steer the wheel while we're going over a bridge. There's lots of pressure in driver's education. And uh, I came across a, uh, a, a group of um, people who had just got into an accident. This is from an insurance company. And uh, what these people said under pressure in those driving situations. And I thought I'd just share a few of those with you. Um, while I was driving around the roundabout, I decided, well, I should talk on pressure. And I remember this illustration I had. So I drove back and got it and came back. So I just didn't happen to have this with me. Um, so these are, these are from an insurance company, people who had just gotten an accident and their report that the police had filled out. I thought my window was down, but I found it was up when I put my hand through it. I collided with a stationary truck coming the other way. A truck backed through my windshield and into my wife's face. A pedestrian hit me and went under my car. The guy was all over the road. I had to swerve a number of times before I hit him. This is one of my favorites here. I pulled away from the side of the road, glanced at my mother-in-law, and headed for the embankment. <laughs> I was on the way to the doctors with my... I was on the way to the doctors with with rear-end trouble when my universal joint gave way, causing me to have an accident. <laughs> I saw the slow-moving, sad-faced old gentleman as he bounced off the hood of my car. <laughs> Those are pressure, and each one of us knows pressure this morning. Whether that be pressure in the family, whether that be pressure to do wrong, or whether that be pressure to perform. Each and every one of us knows pressure today. And so the question that I would think that we should answer is not this. How can I avoid pressure? Because really we can't. The question this morning really is, how can I flourish under pressure? How can I make the most of every pressure situation I'm in? And so this morning what I thought I'd do is take a look at a guy by the name of Joseph, who's tucked away in the Old Testament. When I say Joseph... Some of you may think of that young boy who was the favorite of his father, the one with the robe. And if that's the guy you're thinking of, that's who we're talking about. Others of you might think of the guy who was in charge of Egypt, the strongest, largest nation at the time. He was second in command. He wore the signet ring. If that's the guy you're thinking of, that's the same guy. And what I thought we could briefly do today is take a look at the time that, between the time he wore that robe and the time he wore that signet ring, and examine some different areas in this guy's life, Joseph, and see how he flourished under pressure. Okay? So that's what we're going to do. So when I got here, I said, hey, I need some help. I need some readers. Uh, I thought that would help me as well. So let's take a look at that. If you have your Bibles, um, turn to Genesis. Genesis 37. 
And we'll take a look at Genesis 37, 3 through 5. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any other of his sons, because he was the son of his old age, and he made him a robe of many colors. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him, and they could not speak peacefully to him. Now Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. Perfect. Joseph knew the pressure of the family. That was a dysfunctional family at best. Joseph was the favorite of his father, and uh, he gave him a robe to show that, and his brothers hated him for that. They couldn't even get into a conversation with him. There was backbiting. There was jealousy. It was a tough family situation. And to make matters worse, Joseph had a dream, and we just read it, that someday, God told him someday, he would be a great ruler. Now that dream became very important to Joseph, and he held on to that dream. But then he shared that dream with his brothers, and you can well imagine how that must have went over. They were at odds to start with, and then he shares with them that someday he would be a great ruler. Pressure. Pressure of the family. Where I sit in, in, in my work as a principal, I've been in education for 32 years. And I can safely say that I have seen the pressures of the family change in 30-some years. The pressure of our families today is immense. It's greater than I've ever seen it. I can speak for our students, and you, many of you know that because you're parents. Our students feel the pressure um, for grades and the pressure um, with uh, social pressures. There's a lot of pressures on those kids today, which means there's a lot of pressures in the home today. The divorce rate is up and over 50%. I see weekly abuse cases. I see pressures of, of kids coming in who have run away from home. I see the pressure of the family every day in my work. And you know that same pressure today. This morning, I'm sure that there is some kinds of pressure that you're sitting in in your family. Whether that be the immediate family or, a, or relatives, there is pressure in the American family. And Joseph, he knew that kind of pressure. But he didn't fold under that pressure. He flourished under that pressure. Because Joseph knew the secret of how to flourish under pressure. And we're going to take a look at that in just a moment. But that's not the only pressure that Joseph felt. Let me catch you up and then we'll go to the next one. Joseph's brothers, um, as we know the story decided that they were going to uh, put a plot against him, and they were going to throw him into a pit, and there they were going to leave him. And about that time, a band of Ishmaelites were coming by, and uh, they decided that they were going to sell Joseph off to the Ishmaelites. And so they did. And then they took that robe, that favorite robe, and they 
um, slaughtered uh, a sheep and then they dipped it into the blood and they took it back to their father and said, your son, your favorite son, has died. That's the kind of pressure that he was under. So the band of Ishmaelites take Joseph and they take him and they sell him off uh, to a well-ranking officer in Egypt by the name of Potiphar. And that's where we pick it up from there. Let's take a look at Genesis 39, if you have that. And we'll take a look first at verses 3 through the first half of 6, if you can do that. His master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord caused all he did to succeed in his hands. So Joseph found favor in his sight and attended him, and he made him an overseer of his house and put him in charge of all that he had. From time to time, he made him overseer of his house and all over the Lord, and over all that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. The blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in house and field. So he left all that he had in Joseph's charge. If Joseph would have lived today, he would have been a bull on Wall Street, an economic whiz, a financial consultant second to none. Everything that Potiphar had, he gave over to Joseph, and it flourished. He was, he was brilliant when it came to financial matters, okay? Let's take a look at verse 7 and 8. And, be, and after a time, his master's wife cast her eyes on Joseph and said, Lie with me. But he refused and, his ma- and said to his master's wife, Behold, because of me, my master has no concern about anything in the house, and he has put everything that he has in my charge. Now, if Joseph lived today, um, he would be like what, a term we might use, a stud. This guy was good-looking. He would be like... Like Brandon, maybe, you know? The guy who had it all. Not only was he brilliant, okay, but he was, he was good-looking as well. And that caused a bit of a problem here, okay? Let's go to the last verses. Verses 10. He is not greater in this house than I am, nor has he kept back anything from me except because you are his wife. <laughs> And how then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And she spoke to Joseph day after day, and he would not listen to her to lie beside her or be with her. Day after day after day, Potiphar's wife tried to seduce Joseph. That's pressure. That's pressure to do wrong. Not only did he have family pressure, we now see that he had pressure to do wrong. How many people could handle that kind of pressure? Well, David couldn't handle it with Bathsheba. Solomon couldn't handle it. Samson, Delilah, that's a tremendous amount of pressure to do wrong. But Joseph understood the secrets of how to flourish under that kind of pressure. Today, there is a tremendous amount of pressure to do wrong. Time Magazine, I remember a few months back, did an article. Said The title is, Whether Happened to Ethics? America 
uh, siege by uh, scandals and, and hypocrisy. Sam Donaldson, a few years back, I remember, did uh, a whole segment on, on uh, that kind of same issue of pressure to do wrong. We know the pressures to do wrong. Uh, we're reading with Congressman Weiner and how he f- fell under that political pressure to do wrong. In sports, we see the pressure to do wrong with, recently with Ohio State, a program that, that in, from the outside looking in looks so good, but there was pressure to do wrong. We lived in McMinnville where I used to teach and coach, and um, there was a, a prison uh, just down the road in Sheridan, a federal prison. And the warden there, uh, I had one of his students, so he gave me a uh, tour. And um, we went from cell to cell, and he would tell me that this guy here, he's a millionaire. Over here, this guy here, he's a multimillionaire. This guy over here, he's a millionaire. One after another. You see, there was pressure to do wrong. And all of us here today know that pressure to do wrong in one way or another. Whether that be uh, on our taxes to to begin to try to look there, the pressure to do wrong uh, in the home, at work, you know, in the outside world, they're looking at us. Because right now, they're skeptical. Aren't they? When you, look at, you look at our world, and they're skeptical. And they're looking at us. And how we're going to handle those pressures. And there's huge financial pressures today. And, and, and if we can skate some of those issues and get around those issues, and eyes are on us in this world. And, and, and there has to be true that each and every one of us here today, in, in your work or at home, there's ways in which we have to make that decision somewhere along the line to do right or do wrong when nobody else is looking. There is pressure to do wrong for each and every one of us here today to skate the issues, to just get by. And we can make excuses for it one way or the other and, and talk ourselves into it. And Joseph could have easily done the same thing, but for you see, it wasn't his fault. Potiphar's wife was trying to seduce him. He was just going to do what he was supposed to do. He didn't want to get in trouble. But he handled that pressure. And no one would have known. But Joseph knew how to handle the pressure of the family and the pressure to do wrong. Because he knew the secret of how to flourish under pressure. Now let me catch you up. So Potiphar takes off, right? He, he tells Potiphar, Potiphar's wife no. And so when Potiphar's wife is, is uh, really upset that Potiphar wouldn't go along with this, So when Potiphar gets home, she falsely accuses Joseph of trying to rape her. So Potiphar throws Joseph into prison. 
Now, I got to think that somewhere along the line here, Potiphar knew his wife and knew Joseph. And, and knew, this couldn't be the first time that Potiphar's wife wanted to do these kinds of things. Somewhere along, and he, knew, and, and he entrusted all of Joseph, all his finances, but he had to save face. And so Joseph goes to prison. Let's catch it up right there. Let's, let's go from there. Um, that would be Genesis 39, I think, 20 through 23. And Joseph's master took him and put him into prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all of the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever was done there, he was the one who did it. The keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it succeed. Now that's amazing, isn't it? I mean, I think the biggest prison for me, if I was Joseph, wouldn't have been just the bars, but it probably would have been bitterness. That I was falsely accused, and if, and, and if you have ever been falsely accused of something, and you can't control it, that's very frustrating. And so he goes to prison with that kind of mindset. And yet, he turns it around. Now, he's running the prison. I mean, this guy truly gets it. There's something about him, this Joseph, that understood how to handle pressure. Because now he is running the prison. So while he's in the prison, and you remember the story, he meets up with two other guys, high-ranking officials. One of them is uh, the cupbearer, which today would be like Secretary of the State. And the other one is the baker, who is also a high-ranking official um, in, in that time. And they both have dreams. And um, Joseph is, enable, is able to interpret those dreams. And for the baker, it's not good news. He'll be executed. And for the cupbearer, he'll be reinstated. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened. And before he left, he asked the cupbearer, could you remember me? Before you go, could you remember me and what happened to me here and get me out of here? But he didn't. He forgot. And so Joseph stayed in jail. That is, until the Pharaoh himself had a dream in which no one could interpret. And then the cupbearer remembered Joseph and went back into the prison and pulled him out. And of course, he interpreted the dream and in short, it said there'd be seven years of plenty and seven years of drought. And then Joseph gave a detail of account of all the things that you should do between those two time periods. Let's catch that up right there. Um, chapter 41, verses 41 and 44. And, Joseph, and Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. Verse 44. Moreover, Pharaoh said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, and without your consent, not one shall lift hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. Joseph knew the pressure to perform in his family, the pressure 
to perform when things went wrong, the pressure to flourish in his family, the pressure, the pressure to flourish uh, when things went wrong, and now the pressure to perform. He now understood the pressure to perform. What a huge undertaking this is. He went from running a jail to now running the largest, strongest nation in the world. And he was second command. And he had this plan that they were going forward on. That's pressure. That's a huge amount of pressure to perform. And he flourished under that pressure. Today, there is a tremendous amount of pressure to perform here as well. Pressure to perform in your home. Pressure to perform at work. Pressure to perform for students in school. There is a lot of pressure to perform today. I had a student, Bobby Janice. He was, uh, I coached wrestling, and um, he was a phenomenal athlete. Great student, student by president. He's on the uh, uh, honor roll. He had like a 3-8, and uh, he was Oregon's athlete of the year. And he got a full ride down to Arizona State. And uh, his future looked very bright. Well, while he was his freshman year, um, he came home one day, locked himself in the bathroom, and took a gun to his head and finished his life. At his funeral, as I was sitting there, uh, his uh, mother said that um, Bobby was tired of the pressure to perform. He was tired of the pressure to perform. Maybe, maybe you're tired of that pressure too. Maybe you're tired of that pressure at work with tough financial times to get the kind of quotas that you need to get. Maybe you're tired of that pressure of, of just trying to find a job. Maybe you're unemployed this morning and there's that pressure to perform because you're the father or you're the mother and you need to get a job because you need to bring the income in. Maybe you're a father this morning and it's Father's Day and the pressure that we feel to uphold the family, and to run the family, and to be the dad that we're supposed to be, to be the spiritual leader that we're supposed to be. Maybe that weight is on your shoulders, and you feel that pressure to perform today. Joseph, he knew that same pressure. And he didn't fold up, he held up. He didn't wilt he blossomed. Joseph knew the pressure of the family, the pressure to perform, and the pressure to do wrong. And how was it that he was able to do that? We find that in the last chapter of the first book of the Bible. Genesis 50. This is the secret 
of Joseph. And I think it'll be the secret for us on how we too can flourish under pressure. 50, 18 through 20. His brothers also came and fell down before him and said, Behold, we are your servants. But Joseph said to them, Do not fear, for I am in the place of God. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring it about that many people shall be kept alive as they are today. Hang on one second. Did you guys catch that? Did, did, did you catch that? Read that one more time. His brothers came and fell down before him and said, Behold, we are your servants. But Joseph said to them, Do not fear, for I am in the place of God. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. You see, while Joseph was second command, he was reunited with his brothers. And at that time, his brothers were quite fearful of him, as you could well imagine, once they figured out who he was. And Joseph responds with that. And that's the secret. You see, in a dream, one day, God told him that he'd be a great ruler. And that's exactly what God did. See, God has a plan for our life. And it goes from eternity past to eternity future. And that's exactly what Joseph knew. And so it didn't matter if it was the pressure of the family, or the pressure to do wrong, or the pressure to perform. God was in charge of his life. And all those things were making and creating him to be the leader that he was meant to be. And he knew that. And so that's why he was able to flourish under each and every circumstance that came his way. And the same is true for you and me. Romans 8, 28. And he knew that and he knew that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Not some things, all things. God does have a plan for our life from eternity past to eternity future. And if that's the truth, don't you think that God's going to take care of every detail in between? Absolutely. And that's what Joseph knew. And that's why Joseph could flourish under that kind of pressure. The same kind of pressure that each one of us face every day. That's encouraging to me. It's like that piece of coal. Not worth much. You know, unless you stick that coal down deep into the ground. And the pressure and the heat form that piece of coal into a diamond. And that's what God's doing to you and me. And sometimes it doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel good to have, be under the heat and the pressure. But God's forming us and molding us to be what he wants us to be. Let's pray.
Father, I thank you for the life of Joseph. And Father, I pray that for each and every one of us who are going through the pressures that, whether it be family or whether it be work or whether it be at home or anything in between, Lord, that we would just give our life over to you, knowing that we want to trust you in everything that happens. For you are molding us and forming us to be just the kind of person you want us to be. Thank you for this morning. I pray for Ken. Lord, I pray that you, even as now, you begin to heal his body. I thank you for the fathers here, Lord. What a tremendous responsibility it is that we have. And I pray, Lord, under that kind of pressure, we could perform. In Jesus' name, amen.